Did you know that 9 out of 10 UK shoppers will abandon a store using US dollars? I did not know that. Did you also know if someone leaves your store to use a currency converter, two out of three won't return? Well, that doesn't sound good. Not showing prices in customers' local currency might be one of the biggest contributors to your bounce rate. What do I do? If you ship internationally, a multi-currency app is an absolute must. Okay, which one should I get? Well, the folks at Bold make the best multi-currency app out there. What's so great about it? It auto-detects where your customers are shopping from and then shows them their correct local currency so you don't lose them in the first second that they load the site. How? It syncs in real time with a currency database, so it's always up to date. Can I adjust those rates? If you set it to sync real-time rates but want to pad that conversion by a few percent to net a little extra for yourself, you could do that too. What else can it do? It optionally supports vanity pricing, so if you wanted all your prices to end in, say, 99 cents, it could do that for you as well. Sold. How do I get it? Right now, Bold is offering listeners of the unofficial Shopify podcast their Bold multi-currency app free for two months. Just go to curdelster.com slash bold to install it and claim your exclusive offer. That's curdelster.com slash bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup. And it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Clapping with my power glove. I had a question for you. Now I forgot what it was. Oh, I would like to know more about the production history of the movie The Wizard. Because that is because well, the Power Glove was not a Nintendo product, but the Wizard was clearly a Nintendo movie. For people listening uh, and not watching, <laughs> I am in fact wearing a Nintendo Power Glove. It is my finest pandemic purchase. And Kurt watched the Wizard last week. So I actually did not end up watching the Wizard. Oh. Instead, we watched Super Mario Brothers. I'll get around to the Wizard, but you know, like I like hokey bad movies for the kids. It's fun, but even the Wizard, I was like, oh, it's too bad. The thing's basically. A Power Glove NES and Universal Studios commercial rolled into one. Okay, but I guarantee you it's better than Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers has good sets, good music. <laughs> good sets. Good actors. The story is incoherent. I really think it was like they had a script for something else, got the license from Nintendo for Mario Brothers, and they just like, do a quick rewrite, we'll make it work. Uh, trying to find that movie is impossible in this country because the World Trade Center is in it and gets damaged. And so I assume that's why it's miraculously just unavailable anywhere in this country. That's your hypothesis because That's my hypothesis. I don't know. It's, I mean, I know it's unavailable. It's 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 and it is out on Blu-ray and various things in the UK. So And in other countries you can get it. Yeah, so it's weird that it's available in other countries but not in the US. That's like a decision. That's not like a music rights issue or whatever. Someone is choosing not to release it here. And that's a good I think my hypothesis is good. All right. Or alternatively, 
whoever has the license did you suspect it may be in the end disney i think i think disney owns the rights to it because they were part of the production and one of the other companies that was out of the part of the production went out of business and all of its stuff was bought by disney so disney owns at least two shares they're like look should we add the mario brothers movie to disney plus and bob Iger's like "Mm, let's hold off on that (laughs) get the million dollar duck up there but we need we can't have super mario What's the million dollar what? The million dollar duck. What's that? It's a bad, when like se- Disney did bad 70s live action movies. Oh yeah, the 70s live action stuff, no bueno. Like the Navigator. Uh, you, My wife loves that movie. Are you movie. talking about Flight of the Navigator? Yeah, Which Flight of the Navigator. from the 80s and is an all-time classic. How dare you? One the of movie. the greatest films ever made. I loved that it's movie trash. when I was a kid. I watched <laughs> it all the time. I had it on VHS recorded off of TV. All right, well, you can text my wife about it because she feels similarly. And I only watch as an adult, so I'm like, what is going on? Me and Julie te- actually text each other a lot about things that we privately like together and you make fun of. No! <laughs> your wife and like I, Hamilton? Your wife and I have like a little side text going. <laughs> no! On, yeah, should we do this? Are we ready? Enough screwing around? Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, everyone wanted to know how my floor remodeling went. And, All right, and give my, it to me. My floors are very nice. I love them. Uh, my house is mostly done. In fact, all the the trash guys came and took all the trash we had shoved in the garage uh, out today. Uh, so I would say my house is ninety percent done. All that's left is the terrible screen porch needs to be ripped out in the back. I like that you had someone to come out to look at this screen porch, and the guy goes, "Not touching it." <laughs> well, because he wasn't like an actual construction guy; he was a landscaping guy. Whatever. Oh, and I probably want to get the house we rewired because I tried to install it an outlet and one of the neutral wires was hot and caused my sump pump to break or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my house wiring, not so good. Uh, you know, maybe you just let the neutral go to ground. Those are words. <laughs> All right. I think you need an electrician. <laughs> On this episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast... We're going to discuss some listener-suggested topics from our Insiders Facebook group. We're going to talk about bookkeeping for profitability, and then we'll tear down the official Lego store. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Joining me today is my my co-host and longtime friend, Paul Rita. Mr. Rita, how are you doing? Where are you from? Where are you, where are you located? Uh, I'm in our office, which oh. you don't come to anymore. Yeah, I'm terrified. Uh, it would be nice, maybe if you would like come here every once in a while. Uh, I come once a week for like 20 minutes to get the mail, water my plants, and then I run out screaming and hyperventilating. <laughs> the mall is <laughs> the mall is bumping today. It is That's not a good thing. It is packed out there. Well, it's been brutally hot in, in Chicago, and it now a, finally it's it cooled nice, off a nice little bit. It was a nice day today, but yeah, it's, it is packed out there. Everyone's wearing a mask, mask though, so. I just got another mask I impulse bought from an Instagram ad, <laughs> and it was from... <laughs> that's pretty much my life now. It's just impulse buying stuff off the internet. Well, retail therapy. I got another one, but it was from a Shopify store. So that was nice. All right. That's, that's all I got. Uh, all right. I did. I'm not my usual uh, hammy self today because I did a, a webinar for Shopify, for Shopify Compass for an hour, and I wanted to nail it. It's, it's been a little while since they've asked me to do like a speaking gig. And so I, I showed up prepared and pumped and a little anxious, and I did great. They said they're going to do uh, put up a replay for it. But yeah, it's kind of... I could only be an extroverted psycho for so long a day. So I used up some of that energy in the webinar. I mean, I see you a lot, and you're, you seem to be an extroverted psycho for most of the day <laughs> when I see you. I see you're getting lonely as well. <laughs> I'm ready to go back. 
come the back. The pandemic scares me. We come back. We sit in the office all day. It's not like we interact with anyone. And I got that cool sticker on the door to scare people away. That sticker, I didn't want to say anything. It's dumb as hell. <laughs> I didn't want to hurt. What you. does the sticker say? I don't re even remember. It's like rub a dub dub, wear a mask. Like it's so <laughs> fucking stupid, and it's like gold on our wood door, so you can't even read it. Like you clearly were so fucking proud of yourself, and I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to just message you out of the blue and be like, hey buddy, this thing is dumb as shit. <laughs> now I'm leaving it up there out of spite. <laughs> Only for like a month, then I'll take it down out of shame. All right, there you go. Yeah, it's Spite like, will turn to shame. Yeah, it's like your standing desk when I made fun of your standing desk, and then you realized you immediately hated it, but you kept it up for another week because I had made fun of you too much. <laughs> yeah, that was my spite desk. I mean, I, I was very clear. I told you it was a spite desk. Yeah, I was like, this is going to last one day. And you're like, no, it's not. I'm going to love it. <laughs> After, I went in with the best intentions. And then after half an hour, quietly in your head, you were like, I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. I'm built for sitting. It's okay. Uh, all right. So someone in the Facebook group had said that they have been really interested lately in how to manage finances. What program do you use for managing expenses and profit? QuickBooks? Question mark. How do we make this process easier and more streamlined? How do we look at cutting expenses and becoming profitable? Huh. Any I, thoughts here, Mr. Rita? I don't know anything about this. I just I just don't spend <laughs> a lot of money. And then I just I just quietly don't spend more money than I have. Which is not well, a which is not a solution for people. <laughs> yeah, but that's actually really good advice. I mean, like, <laughs> live within your means. That's well, what you said. But they're talking about their business, and you know, people were talking about, you know, Q4 is coming up, and in order to sell a bunch of stuff during Q4, I need to manufacture a bunch of stuff during Q3. And what if I don't have the cash to do that? So then Q4, I never end up selling a bunch of stuff. So then ne when the next Q3 rolls around, I don't have the money to manufacture yet again. It's like, how do you get out of that trap? I don't know. Okay. So you're right. This is, you really described like the core problem with e-commerce is you have to pay to acquire the inventory to sell the inventory. And then if you don't have the inventory, you can't sell it. Uh, how do you forecast it? If you buy too much, what happens? I will tell you right now. This is a problem for all e-commerce businesses that aren't that aren't just pure dropshipping. And it is a problem at all sizes of e-commerce business. It is something you will gain a sense of over time. Um, you could do inventory forecasting, but it's that is just kind of a, a core problem to be solved here. The other was more the other question was more around um, you know, like the day-to-day -day operations, which is really is is bookkeeping. So Shopify itself, if you wanted to, you could put in a cost of goods sold for all your products, and then you could get a, a pretty quick, like, okay, here is my profitability in my Shopify store. So that is a, a nice uh, metric, a nice, um, like a KPI to use to figure out how you're doing at any given time period. As far as, but that won't work well for like accounting and logging at all. I know a lot of people use QuickBooks. I think QuickBooks is a, a damnable tool. I don't think it's particularly good. And I don't think doing your own bookkeeping is valuable as a business owner. I think that's like one of the first things you can outsource. Uh, we've been using for years, we use Bench. I really like Bench. It's like uh, web-based accounting software and there's a human behind it who does your bookkeeping. So it's connected to our payment platforms. It pulls everything in and uh, they categorize it. If they don't know how to categorize it, they ask you, they learn from it. And then it, the best part about this is at the end of the year, I just get a report 
that I hit forward on to my CPA, and then he replies back with, here's your taxes. That's it. <laughs> I never think about it. I don't have to worry about it. And like bench often, there are month, months will go by where I don't have to categorize anything. So it's just like my bookkeeping and our taxes, the whole thing's on autopilot. I love it. And for that reason, and we've been doing this for years now. So for that reason, I'm like, just if you, if bookkeeping is a pain for you, you shouldn't be doing it. Get, hire a bookkeeper, a CPA, use Bench, get some of them to do it. And well, I got an affiliate link because Bench works with Shopify. <laughs> so I'll put my referral link in the show notes. And I don't know quite what their offer is, but they phrased it as that you'll receive up to $250 in savings. My guess is like you get a month free is really what happens. Um, but on being profitable, the like definitely use the, the cost of goods sold. But there's a lot of because we're in online businesses, there's a lot of really practical ways to save money over time that you should do and that we use. So number one, once I have this set up as a, a calendar event, so I remember to do it once a year, usually in um, Q4, I review our credit card. So I can't like there's stuff you signed up for and forgot that you can get rid of. So like I'll cancel a bunch of stuff and then what's left over anything I'm keeping, I will go through and try and sign up for it annually. If you really want to be uh, go deep in the weeds and be a, a bargain hunter. Uh, every so often I will call some of the services we use and like your, you know, your credit card, your internet service. I will call them up and be like, Hey, I've been a customer for this long. I've never missed a payment. Anything you could do to help me lower my monthly bill. And occasionally that actually works. Like I knocked 20 bucks off our phone bill. No. Uh, and there's services that will actually do, they call up and impersonate you and they'll negotiate on your behalf. I think bill shark is one of those. I used bill shark and, uh, it didn't work great. Like they reduced my Comcast bill, but I also ended up with a lot fewer channels. It wasn't, wasn't the best idea. Well, your bill got reduced. It's true <laughs> because they reduced my service tier. That wasn't great. The other thing you like pre, just like with the annual billing, you're prepaying. Well, maybe you hire a Shopify developer. You've got people on your team that are contractors, 1099 contractors. Ask if you could prepay for a quarter or six months or a year, whatever makes sense for you. And you will get a discount for it. Like 10% on uh, you know, someone you pay four figures a month. Well, okay. Or in a year, that's considerable savings. So all, all of this stuff adds up. And then lastly, as you're reviewing your expenses, like I, the mindset to take, and we talked about this before is expenses versus investments. Try and categorize your expenses as like, okay, this is an expense expense. This is an investment in my business. So uh, once you do that, then like the investments, those are the safe ones. And then the expenses, all right, what can we do to reduce those costs or get rid of them? That is my, that's my financial advice. I'm not a CPA. Let's be clear. Well, and this came up in the group, uh, since you wrote up our outline for this recording was someone was asking about, um, there's like a Shopify loan program that they got contacted Shopify about. Shopify capital. Shopify capital. And everyone pretty much universally was like, if you have a bank with a business account, they will give you a loan at a better interest rate than Shopify Capital. Talk to, okay. me, talk to me about that. <laughs> so because if we rephrase this... Because interest rates right now are non-existent. They're just handing yes. out free money. It's like Eddie Murphy in the, in the white man sketch. <laughs> um, is that a, uh, an SNL throwback? Well, yeah, what else would it be? Oh, I don't know. Eddie Murphy is, is quite a prolific comedian, sir. He's been in a few films. Some such notable notable films as The Nutty Professor. No, Norbit. Norbit. That's his best. Yeah. 
I see. I really like Trading Places. I think that's probably my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. That's a lot of fun. Oh, so we were, we were talking about loans. Yeah, the previous question was, hey, I've got like really inventory forecasting creates you know, issues with cash flow in an e-commerce business was like the core, core issue there. And so one of the solutions is loans, right? If you already know that you could sell the inventory, then getting a loan to buy the inventory is really in no way a bad idea. Leveraging debt, you should do carefully and sparingly. But in a business where you're confident about how the business is operating, I, I'd be willing to take that bet, especially, as you're right, given the current low interest rates. And Shopify Capital is one option, but like PayPal Capital will give it to you. But ultimately, like these third-party internet lenders, uh, probably, while con they're convenient, you probably won't get as good an interest rate as if you just went to the bank where you have your business checking. They will often give you uh, a lower rate. And especially if you use like a local credit union, those guys, I don't know what they do, but it's like the lowest interest rates you can come up with. But I think as a tool, like we have a line of business credit that we've never used, but I keep it for a rainy day in case we need it. Um, and like same in my personal life, I keep a, uh, a line of credit for, well, because being an entrepreneur, like you really don't know what you're going to make week to week, month to month. It could be wildly vary. So I've always kept this, this line of credit. So I think absolutely secure a line of credit. Just because you secure it, you don't have to use it. But definitely shop around and make sure you get um, a, a decent re interest rate. What's really cool about Shopify Capital or PayPal Capital, the payments are automatic. Like they just deduct it out of the payments that your customers have made to you. So you never see the, the, the payment happen. It's all automatic. There's a lot of convenience there. Uh, I like that. And I've def I've had, uh, we've had clients and merchants I've talked to, many who have used Shopify Capital or similar solutions. My thought, you know, I'm obviously not as into the finance aspect of all of this. You know, the, this was, a lot of this seemed to have been centered around, and the question was centered around cutting expenses. And I'm more into increasing margins. Like, yes. like my wife, um, when she comes home from work, she like her main chill out, chill out show is Shark Tank. She just watches Shark Tank while she slowly zones out from her okay. from her horror show at the hospital. And she tells me the horrible things she saw that day. And my thing is always like, I'm just waiting for them to be like, all right, well, we sell it. We what's your cost of manufacture? They always ask them. They're always like 20 bucks. It's like, what are you selling it for? And they're like. 30 bucks it's like well what's wrong with you like that's not that's not good enough margin so i would look at ways to increase margins like are your you know are your facebook ads not as good as they could be and you're just buying money at the traffic store and your cost of acquisition is through the roof or is there some way where you could just straight up raise your prices like maybe raising your prices by 50 percent don't cause cause your total sales to fall by 50 percent your units sold to fall by 50 percent Oh, in that trade, you ended up making more money. What about your shipping costs? Yeah. That's like the biggest single expense on your individual orders after the cost of goods sold. So you can mess with like, you know, maybe, um, well, we just tried this app that's in, what, uh, that's in beta. I think it's launching. By the time this episode comes out, I think it'll be launched. It's called ShipScout. There's a free plug for those guys. And we used it on uh, a Shopify Plus store. It's really cool in that, it lets you split test shipping rates. So I did like, all right, what's the freest shipping rate going for? What's the, um, and then my other, so it's just like uh, all orders get free shipping. Zero dollars is the threshold. Then I tested uh, $25 and then $50. And what was interesting about it 
is the average order value and the cost per revenue or uh, revenue per cu customer or revenue per visitor was the same whether my shipping threshold was $25 or $50. And my conversion rate was like almost the same. But then on free shipping on all orders, that had the highest revenue per customer and had the highest conversion rate. But this may not be true for all stores, depending on how the store is set up. So messing with your shipping rates or trying to reduce your shipping rates is absolutely worth worthwhile. There's even services, like if you use UPS, DHL, FedEx, there are services that will go back through and try and like backdate, uh, negotiate a lower rate, like through breakage, through uh, overbilling, they'll try and fix it for you. And there's also services where like uh, they, it's like a pool where everybody signs up and buys their UPS uh, labels through this service. And then by doing that, they have the lowest possible rate. So like shipping, that's a big cost center that you could use to reduce and increase profitability. I like where you're going with this. This is good. Yeah, well, and to go to the, di it's different from every store. I know the store that you tested that app on, no one's leaving that store spending less than 50 bucks. Okay. Everything and the, yeah. Everything on that store, you're you're spending over well over 100 bucks to get their stuff. You got any other? That was I like that that line you're going with. You got anything else? Well, yeah, no. I just look into expanding your margins, like maybe, you know, increase prices and find a way to make your make your product have a better, you know, uh, perspective on its quality or whatever. I'm trying to find the right word to say it. You know, the, you oh, if I could so value is subjective. Yeah. And so if I can increase the perceived value That's of the product, which really is like the presentation, like look at sneakers. You know, is there really that big a difference between a $50 sneaker and a $200 sneaker that Nike sells? Probably not. And why is the aftermarket, like the secondary market for Nikes, like I could, you there's at least a dozen pairs of Nikes that you could buy for $2,000 in the secondary market. Are the shoes that better? No, that's entirely perceived subjective value because they've got like this huge marketing push behind them and tremendous presentation and celebrity and like all this great stuff. Well, you can imply those, like Nike doesn't own those ideas. You can apply those same concepts to your store and then justify raising the rate. At the same time, you could also, if you make your own goods, you could just arbitrarily raise your prices and do literally nothing else. There is nothing stopping you. You're the boss. You could do it. Yeah. Uh, this is an argument I've had so many times with, or a discussion I've had so many times with freelancers. They're like, oh, I want to raise my hourly rate. Why? Okay, go ahead. Why, why can't you? Well, first I have to do this. Why? Why? You set the rate. You can set it to whatever you want. The same is true of prices in your store. Yeah, and I mean, if you raise the prices, you're going to get people that complain that you raise the prices. But you know what? They can go screw. Because I mean, if it ends up making you more money, it's not their business. Who cares? Yeah, there's definitely, um, or if you want to keep them, go, hey, this is the new price, but uh, for you, here's a coupon code. We'll honor the old price for you for you know a month. Like, go ahead, knock yourself out. And at least, hey, you got the sale. They're happy that you did this customer service thing. And then maybe they'll be willing to, to pay more in the future. Yeah. You really, you don't have, if you want to, you could try and justify it. You absolutely don't have to. Also, it's a sale opportunity. I forgot which merchant did it, but they raised all their prices and before they did, they emailed everybody and said, hey, all, because, uh, you know, as our business grows and uh, our expenses increase and our quality improves, we just we don't have a choice. We have to raise our prices and that's going to happen on this date. So go ahead, place your orders before then. And that worked they're like it's a, the opposite of a sale email, but it performed like a sale email. Um, yeah. And, and to go back to perceived value, I mean, our old we used to run around a lot with all the mechanical watches like the fine mechanical watches was like we did a bunch of stuff with those businesses and i mean 
those are entirely perceived value. Like oh, Rolexes yeah. and all those watches, they keep time like shit. They're terrible. <laughs> a mechanical watch, yeah, does not keep time anywhere near as well as a quartz watch. Yeah, and all to be a like a Rolex is uh, accredited as a superlative chronometer. Yeah, meaning a superlative chronometer. What is the accuracy on that? A super superlative cr chronometer can only lose or gain ten seconds a month. A quartz watch, if it were broken, would do 10 plus or 10 seconds a year. So if men could wear diamonds and jewelry the way women could, the Swiss watch industry would not exist. It is based entirely on perceived value. You want to talk about perceived value? Uh, can we get De Beers on the phone yeah. and explain these diamond prices to me? Well, and also, don't forget, we're all carrying around atomic clocks in our pockets at all times. That lose, oh, remember that when lose they used no to do those articles? <laughs> and I was like, oh smartphones are killing the watch industry will they survive of course they did because it was never about telling time uh but yeah yeah diamonds also worthless gold also worthless yeah what am i gonna do with this so yeah i would i would be like i i think i think you do good base level stuff it's like let's see where my expenses are that are unnecessary that i could cut let's not cut stuff that actually makes our makes business better just to be like yeah. well i go to cut, Don't cut your nose off to spite your face yeah but uh i would how do i raise my margins how do I cut my ad costs, raise my margins? The and Man, just try raising your prices. Uh, you can also try increasing average order value, uh, trying to reduce shipping expense because that's such like a painful recurring expense. All right, the next question. Pre-orders is the topic, one we near and dear to our hearts. They asked about, uh, hey, could you discuss pre-order group buy apps, assuming these may be separate, and benefits, if any, of using them? Paul, don't we happen to have a Shopify application for this? Uh, I know about a great pre-ordering app. It's called uh, Pre-orders. It's by Cool Dudes. Uh, what? <laughs> what? No, it's called. Uh, what's it called? Crowdfunder. <laughs> Crowdfunder. Blood It's called Crowdfunder, and it is essentially like a Kickstarter type front end for your Shopify store that turns your product page into a pre-order thing with a cool little bar and you could say like we're not doing this unless 100 people actually buy it and then you can like show how much progress has been made and your target and all that stuff and everyone loves it <laughs> yeah actually it does do pretty well and five star reviews and personal concierge service by kurt if you have complaints it's true well actually my wife fields it julie and i tag team it, <laughs> and then he will complain about you to me <laughs> it's true. I'm not going to complain to the customer. <laughs> and I'm not complaining to you. I'm, uh, I'm venting my frustrations with, why can't I just help everyone? <laughs> a lot of our, our five-star reviews and positive reviews come from negative experiences people had where I was able to say, okay, here's what happened. Here's why. Here's how we're going to fix it. And then that, be that leads to a five-star review. And it was Jay Myers at Bold who taught me that. He's like, every bad experience is just a five-star review waiting to happen. And he was right. Like, those are the people, if you could turn that experience around, those are the people that leaves five-star reviews. Anyway, uh, uh, pre-orders, group buy apps, uh, those things. So, yeah, we've got this app called Crowdfunder, and it, it, it's a Kickstarter widget for your product detail page. It uh, You give it your goal, and then it'll, it'll set up that goal with a progress bar. You give it an end date. It has a countdown timer. That's it. That's all it does. It's just a widget. It runs on liquid code. And it just runs through your inventory to figure this out. The issue with that is I do the support for it. And so I'm well familiar with the problems and frustrations merchants face with pre-orders. Number one, I can 100% guarantee most merchants wildly overthink how you run a pre-order and what's involved. 
So number one, the first problem they get into is they're like, well, you know, we're not going to ship it until this date. So we have to hold their funds in escrow. That's insane. You do not need to do that. I don't know why you think you need to do that. Uh, if you're really worried about it, open up a free savings account and move the money there so that you don't like accidentally spend it. But you're going to spend it on producing the thing anyway. So, all right, if you're accepting money for a good that you're not going to ship later, you just have to over-communicate that this is a pre-order and this is the expected ship date. And to do that, oh, do I, do I need an app? What do I do? And you don't need to do any of that. The other weird request I get is like, well, we have to change the add to cart button to a pre-order button. There's a Shopify document that'll tell you how to, uh, Shopify how-to guide if you Google it, that'll tell you how to do this. But you also don't have to do it. And it's also not what the damn add to cart button is doing. It's still an add to cart button. Yeah, right? no, nothing's changing on the back end. It's just like the label is different that the person yes. sees. But you don't need to change it, right? Like, all right, here's how you do it. This is my solution to you have you want to run a pre-order. Add the words pre-order to the product title. The reason is now it will appear as a pre-order everywhere anyone sees it because everything pulls the product title, the order confirmation email, the cart, the checkout, Facebook ads, everything will then have pre-order in the title. If it is in the title of the product, no one could claim you didn't tell them. Then put say this is a pre-order. The expected ship date is X, but not guaranteed. And put that bold as the first line in the product description. That's it. You're done. You now have a pre-order. No apps, no customizations, no silly services. Um, and there is, uh, there is a, a pre-order related app out there that frequently breaks stores. And as a result, I, it, and then uh, often people pair it with Crowdfunder, but they put that app first, then install Crowdfunder. And because of recency bias, I get an email saying Crowdfunder broke their store. Oh, my PayPal button disappeared. Oh, my cart, my product form's gone. I crowdfunder did it. No, it didn't. There's this other stupid pre-order app that I will not name. That drives me crazy. Oh, geez, Rick. Um, so, all right. If you are going to run a pre-order campaign and you're going to do it in a like transparent public fashion, you know, like Kickstarter style where you share like, this is our goal. And if we don't get here, we're not producing it. The, the trick to that is it really is not about your goal and what you're trying to do there. You want to start below your goal. Because it's social proof. These apps are for social proof. They're not really for managing your back office operations. That's up for you to do. And you should be able to do it. Like, you could go in Shopify and, like, what do you need to do here? See how many orders you got? Well, that's a Shopify report you can run. Oh, you need to email people about their update? All right, in Clavio, make a segment and say, uh, just a set, uh, dynamic segment of just people who ordered this product. Like, none of these things require additional apps. Uh, but it's social proof. So, like, let's say your goal is 25000 you should start your pre you should set your goal at 10,000 because no one wants to jump in on a product that they don't think is going to be produced or that no one else is. The hardest order to get is the first one. So like that first order, you should place it yourself so that when everyone shows up, there's at least one in there, right? Send it to friends and family first, then announce it to your customers and do it in waves. And ideally, like as soon as you get to that goal and you could keep that excitement going cuz it will be a full-time job to promote a pre-order campaign while you're running it then you will exceed your goal wildly and get to your goal. And I'm not making this stuff up. Like, this is all I got from Andy, like, master marketer Andy Bedell at Keysmart, who used the beta version of Crowdfunder to run a million-dollar campaign on a product that cost 25 bucks. It's the same general rubric the way we think about uh, a lot of other stuff is you're overthinking it. Stop overthinking it. I mean, if you want to do a pre-order, put pre-order in the title of the product, Put pre-order in the product description, bolded so people read it. 
done. You're doing a pre-order. I mean, obviously we want to sell you crowdfunder because we get some money off of it, but all it does is add a couple extra widgets for social proof. It makes it, it, make, makes it look nicer. It's a nice little thing, but don't let that hold you back from doing a pre-order. Just do it by yourself. Who cares? Yeah. And like the other thing with a pre-order, I think the critical to the success is have a low goal so that you can blow past your goal because that looks really good. It's a form of social proof and focus on social proof as you get reviews and testimonials from uh, uh, bloggers like press influencers, customers, whatever it is, start adding that stuff into your promotion and into the product description. Uh, and as you reach your, your pre-order goals, uh, make sure you are sharing those milestones getting hit because I, I think the important part is not like the pre-order aspect of it. It's the social proof that this, a, it's a group buy. It's a thing we are all doing together. And don't overthink it, man. If you have to use an app, you probably, like, honestly, you don't. <laughs> you, really, you just don't. <laughs> you don't have to use an app for this. No, not for this one. Uh, all right. So, best practices for reducing and managing returns. Well, I think one is you want to communicate as, make as much obvious and easy communication with, over communicate over communicate with the client as much as possible with the buyer so you want you want those size and guides on your product pages you want to measure everything correctly so everything is the size that you say it is so they know that it's correct when they get it um I don't you know what drives me nuts is when you click the size guide link on because honestly like size incorrect sizing is a probably one of the the largest uh reason for returns and exchanges is when you click on the size guide link and it just gives you like a universal one for everything. And they're like, yeah, this is kind of close. Like it doesn't help me. I want, uh, what we do for clients is we make it tag based. So when you, you tag the product, like size guide colon shoes, and then that product, when you open the size guide, it is for those shoes. I love that one. Mm -hmm. That makes life much easier and saner. So I think number one is over communicate. You're absolutely right. Number two, uh, when you do see returns and exchanges, always figure out the reason, log it, and then try to circle back on uh, finding a way to bust that objection in advance before they're returning the thing to you. Because on the topic of, well, let's increase profitability and reduce costs and expenses, well, certainly returns and exchanges are an expense center. Um, so and sizing is one of those, is a huge one. So uh, for sizing, do product-specific size guides. You have to do tags to do this. Some themes will support a solution for it. Make sure you've got a good size guide that is specific to it, not a generic one. Uh, often, you know, if you're like printing t-shirts on blanks, you can get the size guide from the manufacturer and use that. The other issue uh, is... But I'm, I'm talking about like physical goods as well. If you're selling a physical good, also give the accurate measurements of that physical good so people know... Oh yeah, you had an experience there. <laughs> it's a very, Tell us about it's that. It's a very personal issue for me. <laughs> No, I bought. I have this like weird nook in my basement. It's like it's not weird. It's cool. <laughs> it's a little display case. It's like a thing. cutout in the wall, and it, it has. It's where you put like your your Venetian bust. It's where, yeah, it's where you put like your Oscar, and it has like a spot. <laughs> it has like a spotlight over it and everything. And I was like, what the hell am I gonna put in there? So I found like this guy that refurbs old. I like old timey stuff from the 30s and 40s. So I like, <laughs> I like old timey stuff. Just say you like in Art Nouveau antiques. Shut your mouth. Uh, so. I bought this uh, vintage uh, tombstone radio from 1937, and I was like, okay, well, the width of the nook is 42 inches or whatever. And I was like, I can only get a radio that is 42 inches wide. Like, it's got to be narrower than that. 
So I went and spent, spent, and he refurbs these radios. They're beautiful. They still work. He adds an aux cable to it so you could, like, be bumping, like, you know, Dr. Dre through your 1937 radio. It's awesome. But what was the issue you ran into? The, the issue I ran into was that uh, he put the measurements down on the listing, and then I bought it, and then it got shipped to me, and the measurements were wrong. So it's too <laughs> big for my trophy duck. So the place you were going to put it, you couldn't use it, and you now own what you described as an embarrassingly expensive radio. Yeah, you were like, how much did that cost? That's cool. And I'm like, I'm too embarrassed to tell you how much it cost. <laughs> and I'm not telling anyone. 800? Now I'm not saying. A thousand. You can just keep saying numbers. Fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah, you know, you got it. How'd you know? <laughs> oh my god, that's ridiculous. It was not computers. It was not. That was the wrong soundbite. I apologize. It was not fourteen hundred dollars. Uh, All right, but yeah, fifteen hundred. So, I, so I'm mad about that. Measure your stuff right. And I was like, hey, dumbass, you measured this thing wrong. And he was like, oh, I'm old. I'm getting slow. I'm so sorry. Oh, my. Yeah. I'm like, okay. you don't know. So work you can a, still like, sell stuff on eBay, but you can't work a tape. Yeah. Measure. Like, I don't you can run you. an Etsy store and like refurb old radios, but you can't yeah, measure things. But whatever. Yeah. I'm not buying it. <laughs> uh, so you got to over communicate on everything is the initial promise. Uh, definitely. Sizing is certainly an issue regardless of apparel like 100 percent, you need this for apparel but for a lot of things sizing is helpful because i can't see it in person i can't handle it i can't measure it the other issue is the default behavior in most shopify themes is it defaults to a selection if you just load up any random product page that's got variant options the add to cart button works yeah you could just click add to cart because it defaults to a selection yeah in liquid that, in liquid it's called uh, it's first available variant yeah it auto and, it auto populates first available variant the issue with that is I could see a t-shirt. I'd be like, oh, man, a Vaporwave Darth Vader sweatshirt. It's a real thing I bought last week. Uh, <laughs> the actually, oh, uh, Pixel Empire is the name of the store. And the guy, for helping him out, he said, hey, can you, here's a, a $50 coupon. You can go get some. So naturally, I got the Synthwave Vader shirt. So thank you, Dylan at Pixel Empire. Um, the, but with apparel, this becomes a problem where I see the sweatshirt go, that's the one I want. And I get excited. I click add to cart. The problem is I wear a large and it probably defaulted to small, the first thing in the list. So I don't notice it gets sent to me and now I have to exchange it. That's a really common problem for apparel store. So more times than we can count, we have changed that behavior where the add to cart button is uh, disabled until they make a selection. Yeah. And it, uh, I've done it on stores where I've added like a little field to that auto changes. It's like your selection, and then it will say small or extra large next to it, and will change depending on if they change it. It does definitely counts as over communicating. Yeah, it doesn't really help. No, <laughs> it gets rid of some of them, but there's still people slows that, it down. There's still people that manage to quick add those smalls. Yeah, and then get mad that they got a small. It's like, well, we sent you the thing you ordered, uh, but no, that's the solution. Is uh, to not have it default to something they have to pick before they can add to cart. One last thing. I mean, if it's a thing that people are going to have to figure out how to use, I would have like a post-purchase email sequence of yes. like, here's how to use this thing so you don't get frustrated. Major killer. Oh my so God. on that one, <laughs> the what? Do I need new sounds? I'm just sick of it. Ugh, I love it. The what was I going to say? <laughs> yes. Now you lost me. Post-purchase emails. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, if there's usage to your your product or there's common um, common issues that people have that are easily resolved by, like, reading the instructions, you could set up a product-specific post-purchase flow in Klaviyo or whatever email automation software that will uh, 
that you send them uh, essentially instructions and a usage guide. Outdoor Voices has a really good example of this, where they tell you like care instructions, but more importantly, if you have an issue, they tell you how to resolve it. So they actually preempt returns and exchanges right there. If you do get so far as the returns and exchanges, it's tough uh, to to keep it sorted because they you, know, you got to send the find out why, send them a label, they got to send it back. You ever fund them or send them? So it can get confusing. So 100%, you want to use uh, some kind of CRM to manage it. And the one I really like uh, that we've played with is is Bold Returns Manager because you can go in and tell it like, okay, these are the different return reasons for my store. These are what people, um, or these are like in this scenario we pay for shipping in this scenario the customer pays for shipping and then it prints and sends the or it makes it sends the label to them it's very cool and it, that way the customer could see the status of the return you could see what returns you have open and it handles a lot of the the back and forth so if you deal if returns are just like a thing you have to deal with a in a crm app like returns manager for managing returns is very helpful hold up it's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. I know I have. There's just a pile of packages in front of my door. I can't even get the front door open. But if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? That's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your list, send memorable emails, automate critical messages, and more. Way, way more. That's why more than 30,000 e-commerce brands like Chubby's, Brooklinen, and Keysmart use Klaviyo to build a loyal following. Strong customer relationships mean more repeat sales, enthusiastic word of mouth, and less depending on third-party ads. Now, whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster. And it's free to get started. Visit Klaviyo.com to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Talk to him. Let's go get some Legos. Okay. I know what product I want. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. I'm recording my screen. I'm on Lego.com, the U.S. store. Do you see this with me? I see this with you. And on load, it's a carousel. It says exclusive new brick sketches. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm, I, I, it's it's the Lego store. I found. Okay, it. excellent. <laughs> Initial impressions. I know what mine are. Uh, the first thing I noticed is the the main navigation. Well, first of all, there's a lot of stuff up there. There it's is. Like we got like a little sub menu with about us, VIP, find a store, like that stuff. We got your account. I call that the cart cruft area in the theme <laughs> in the theme that I wrote. That's all your. It's uh, all your crap near the cart. Uh, and then we got the main navigation, the free shipping bar below the main navigation. I feel like it's getting lost in the shuffle there, even though it's got a cool little shipper guy minifig. Yeah, I noticed that last. Yeah, the font's too small, too. Um, Did you see that the Lego logo redraws itself every so often? Yeah, that's like a weird animated gif that we don't, Easter egg. That we don't need. Uh, but the main, thing I, the main thing, I think, is this navigation, which is a series of mega menus, but they all overlap which I think is like, it's a different way to shop. You could shop by themes, you know, it's like, I want uh, Lego originals, I want classic, I want Star Wars stuff, you know, all those different types of Legos. Or you could shop by new, popular, shop by age, shop by price. I mean, that way of looking at it. Yeah, what's nice is they gave me so many ways to find, get all to the same places, like shop by theme or interest. There's a lot of overlap there. 
shop by and then that menu is like new popular age price pro so I think a misconception merchants have is an item can only be in your main menu once. It isn't the case. People shop in different ways, especially with a big catalog and uh, one as big as Legos. So they're giving me multiple ways to get to the product. Now, what would make more sense is a giant search box on the homepage. I think that would be smart. Well, there uh, is one. What, I mean, what do you call that? Well, they've got the search in the header. I'm talking like I want it as a section on the homepage. Oh, eh, I think that's. I don't think you need that. People know where to look for a search box. They also, a couple other interesting things here. The carousel is not, does not auto advance. It has not skipped. It's on carousel one. It has not skipped to slide two once unless I click it. I think that's a choice. You don't see that often. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, um, have, I wouldn't have known that they have a giant helicarrier. Uh, <laughs> that apparently a giant MODOK is fighting it. I don't know. Um, what I like, if you scroll like right under that carousel is they've got their um, their featured collections, but they're tiny. It's not like giant blocks. It's they're almost it's like they were trying to make life-size minifigs. I'm surprised at how small the fonts are on this. It is unusually tiny. Yeah, it's like really small. So how should we shop? How should we get to a collection here? I think we we both know we want Star Wars stuff. Okay, we could agree on that. So <laughs> I go under and because they've organized it in multiple different ways, I know immediately it's going to be under themes. Yeah. And sure enough, it's under there. Now, what's interesting about this, Star Wars is the only thing that's in italics. Did you see that? That's got to be like a requirement. <laughs> it's by, a weird, by weird like, licensing agreement. By Disney or whatever. All right, so I'll click on Star Wars. Oh, no. What? I want the, I want an A-Wing. Uh, if you're listening and have too much money, buy me a Lego A-Wing. I love the A-Wing. <laughs> it's my it's favorite. Back order. It's my favorite rebellion Starcraft. Um, we just bought the... Uh, the Harry Potter Hogwarts castle. And, it's a work in progress. Yeah, and so the A-Wing is back-ordered. Terrible. Oh, back-orders accepted. If so I clicked through, went to the A-Wing. Uh, I'm not done with this collection page. No, but I... Yeah. You're not getting the... No one's buying you an A-Wing. It's over. But Go I, back to the collection page. I brought it over to... I, I was going to bring it back to the topic, though, because it says uh, back-orders accepted will ship by August 13th, 2020. So all back-order means is you're not getting it soon, but we promise you'll get it. Okay. Which is reassuring. They don't. Do they have like a pre-order app they use for that? Nope. It just says back. Does order. the money go into escrow? <laughs> yeah, I'm pre-ordering an A-wing. It's oh, just I the see. length of the pre-order. But I don't. What app did they use? <laughs> uh, the, on the collection page, what I appreciate is the the collection, the sidebar filtering that they have, and you could do something almost identical to this with product filter and search by Booster. Really nice uh, collection sidebar app. And like they, they're smart. They gave you so many ways to sort this, but rather than overwhelm you, the most common three are defaulted to open and all the others like featured theme, interest, availability, rating, those all default to closed. So I think that's a, that's a smart way to do it. I like these sidebar filters when you have a big collection. Yeah. This is 82 results. Not crazy, but still it's nice that like, all right, if I'm buying for a kid and it's for a birthday you know, present, I could just click age and get to the right age. And that cuts the collection by half. Makes it easier to find my stuff. Yeah, this store is not on Shopify, but I would be interested in like, so the easy way to, on Shopify, you can go to any Shopify store, type in slash collection slash all, and that'll spit out every single product on the store. And so that's a good sneaky way of seeing, one, what their best selling products are, because you can make it sort by best selling, and two, how many products that store has. And I would love to do that with this Lego store, because I bet it's a lot. So 
I really want to buy that $800 Millennium Falcon. Also back-ordered. As is... But it's back-ordered. As is Slave 1. So it's like, you know, what do we... Oh, Slave 1 is back-ordered? What do we even do in here? You know what? A Slave 1's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm looking for one I should buy. Um, I saw one when I was scrolling through. Oh, we can... If you go to the next page, we can get a Y-Wing. There's the smaller Millennium Falcon. Yeah. For 160 but like, I don't want that. That's the baby one. <laughs> What am I gonna do with that? I think we're gonna. I think we're buying a Y wing, the loserest ship in the in the rebellion. They got an ATST. That's pretty cool. All right, we just need to make a decision here. All right. Yeah. Oh, pose X wing. All right, fine. I want an X wing. All right, there you All go. All right, pose X wing. Here we go. Ninety bucks. Cool. I'm doing this. Uh, landing on this thing. I appreciate that they have breadcrumbs in the upper left. The Interesting uh, choice in the the border itis this thing suffers. There's like a, a light, light gray background. Yeah. That if you just made it all white, this thing would immediately look a lot cleaner. I'm not a big fan of borders and background colors for that reason. They just box everything. So I like one uh, question people have is, hey, when am I going to get my stuff? And so right under the price, they answer that. It says available now. That's smart. They've got... Uh, a uh, warning choking hazard thing here. That's important. Safety. You don't want kids choking. Uh, if you wanted to do something like that in a Shopify store, you could t trigger it by t tag. So like every product tag, choking hazard would get this uh, badge and text. Scrolling down, they've got like Shopify collection in here where it says uh, shop more like this, Star Wars space. That's smart in that they know I'm browsing a huge catalog and they're trying to keep me from leaving. So they use that internal linking. They've got a cool infographic type thing. 661 pieces. Item number. I think that that's cool. That's that you could build that with tags or meta fields. Yeah. A long description, even though everyone says nobody reads. They've got a really long detailed description here. I think I think that um, that info bar is really useful because I mean at least really nice. Because I think you know when you're when you're buying Legos, I think the main thing you care about is like how many pieces it is because that's yeah. like. How many fun segments are there? <laughs> like, the more pieces, the more fun. Right. Uh, so, yeah, the fact that this is a... Mine says 761, is it not? This one, this one says 761. Oh, okay. I one. thought you, you said a different number. So, like, yeah, all right. This is a good one. 761 pieces. Cool. Um, and, the, uh, this, and the VIP points, which I'm assuming is their, um, like, loyalty program. Loyalty points. Yeah, they're doing a loyalty program because this is definitely a catalog this big. You do a lot of repeat purchases. Um, yeah, but as you scroll down... What do we think of this? Deliveries and returns. So we're anti-hiding content. I think it's fine to have deliveries and returns hiding content because not everyone is going to care about that. But you do you do want it at people's fingertips. So yes. I think having it on the page but hidden is fine. I wish the customer reviews defaulted to open. Them. My thought exactly. That's literally what I was going to say. I think the reviews should be open, though. And then the at the bottom, it's like recommended for you. And it's... It, it's accurate. It's all stuff from the Star Wars collection. Which is, I don't know which, like how they define the relationship, but it works. Yeah, that's very standard, though, just like calling other things from the same collection. Yeah. All right, so I've added this thing to my bag. This I don't like. When you click Add to Bag, it's just like a message, a tiny message at the top of the screen. Yeah, not enough happens when you click yeah, Add to why, Bag. Why, yeah, it's not at all obvious that it did anything. And why not just take me to my cart? That's so annoying. Why don't they do that? In the cart, though, they also they still have the availability. So I had your A-Wing added, and it did tell me, like, oh, you've got, uh, this is back order, and here's the date. And then it's got the X-Wing in here, says available now. So I like that we do that. 
And it does something clever. To bust objections, in here, there's a note that says, help with your order. And it has a link to shipping and handling and the returns policy. That's smart. I don't know that I've seen that before. They're both the same page. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right, they are. I'm guessing that returns link is wrong. No, I think it's both the same, probably. It's just that, oh, maybe not. Oh. It's just that they they end up being on the same page. Yeah, shipping and returns. Now, because this isn't on Shopify, they got some cart stuff on here that unfortunately you can't do on Shopify. Correct me if I'm wrong. We got this promo code box on here on the cart page. When uh, I've seen apps do it, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend or guarantee that you could do this. Now, one thing we do do uh, is <laughs> do do uh, on phones in Shopify this area that has the promo code box defaults to closed. And yes. you, that's, uh, that leads to a lot of calls on stores where they're like, oh, we're, I have a discount code, but I can't put it in anywhere. There's nowhere to put it. It's like because no one clicks on the link to open it. So there's a little CSS snippet you could put in there that forces that little box to be defaulted to open so people see it on their phones. Then that solves a common problem if you're having that problem on your store. Uh, down here, if I look at... It's got the shipping calculator. I don't love the shipping calculator. I just think, like, I'm adding my zip code in here to estimate it, but I'm going to do it again and check out anyway. Not my favorite. What I do like, the checkout button has the lock icon and says checkout securely. I usually read, like, I like adding the lock icon to the checkout button, and I often rename it proceed to checkout. But reaffirming that it is a secure checkout is smart. They've got uh, pay with PayPal. So we've got our express checkout option in here, similar to how Shopify stores do it. And then below that, they've got this thing that says, congratulations, you get free shipping. I like that as well. Uh, and you could do that in a Shopify store, which is a little bit of liquid logic. What are your thoughts on $35 free shipping? I think it could be a lot more. Oh, certainly. Because It mean, depends on, I usually do it based on like, what's your average order value? All right, let's round up from there. That's usually the starting point. Because I mean, but again, that's a thing you could split test. Yeah, like going through, I mean, you know, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm the different type of Lego consumer. But I mean, even if you go to like, you know, just a tiny little like, oh, it's a little gas station in the city town that has like two little cars and a little corner of a gas station. That's still 50 bucks. I mean, it's 300 pieces and it's 50 bucks. I mean, it is a rare product on this store that's under $35. So I don't know. I kind of feel eh, maybe they just don't want to lose money on the tiny sales, I'm guessing. So I've put in my address, and now it's got me uh, pick my shipping method. Similar to Shopify, it arranges, it orders the shipping rules by price. So it goes free, express, or express saver, express. Now, the downside to this is it does not tell me what the carrier is, and they've kind of made up their their times um, or their names, but I do like that it's got the transit time. So it's like, well, this is three to five days, or you could pay 20 bucks, get it two to three, or you could pay 26, get it one to two. That's a uh, that's a lot, isn't it? Twenty bucks for shipping, Jesus! It's a little wild. That's because you forgot little Timmy's birthday, and it's tomorrow. <laughs> well, yeah, I think they do a lot of gift purchases, <laughs> or maybe just like weird, you know, weird rich man children who need their stuff like now. Hey, <laughs> uh, I've spent close to a thousand dollars on Lego this year. Yeah, whatever. So. You got a power glove, man. I got a power glove. Uh, their email opt-in is default to uncheck and says yet. I put in my email address, my phone number, continue to payment. What's this thing look like? And it's pretty straightforward. It looks like not unlike the Shopify one. Again, Matt Brody, oh my gosh, don't show people my credit card number. 
Thank you. Wait, you're actually buying this? I walk through up to place order. Oh, okay. All right, I got cold feet. I don't actually want this X-Wing. If it were, it's Poe's X-Wing. If it were like vintage Luke X-Wing, I'd do it. Like if we're doing X-Wings, I want Luke's X-Wing. Yeah, if it was in Red Squadron, that's different. In here, what's interesting, at the bottom, it says customer service, and it's got their phone number. They should put that at the top. I Like you could just add in Shopify, you could redo your logo with it. All right, I'm finishing the screencast. That was an exciting adventure. <laughs> in the world of Lego. In the world of Lego. And it's a clean site. It works. Uh, I think, you know, their issue is just having a giant catalog and trying to sort through it. Not unlike uh, our MLIB teardown, where it's, hey, you just got to deal with a huge catalog and help people sort through it. Not unsurprisingly, Lego does a great job of it. Yep. I think we'll wrap it up there, fine, sir. Cool. Sounds good to me. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode, so please join our Facebook group. Just search the unofficial Shopify Podcast Insiders on Facebook, and we've had quite a few new folks joining in the last several weeks, so the more the merrier. Come on, please join us. We're happy to have you. Bye, everybody. One last thing. If you're new to e-commerce, you're probably thinking what we all were in the early days. Where the heck do I start? Product photography? Discount codes? A logo? Thankfully, there's a simple answer. Start with your theme. Your Shopify theme is your online storefront. Picking the right theme influences the way your store looks, how it works, how easy it is for visitors to see your brand's value. And that's what makes or breaks your conversion rate. With nearly a decade of experience building beautiful, performant themes, my friends at Out of the Sandbox are experts in knowing what it takes to make your store a success. From the unmatched speed of Turbo to the endless customization possibilities of Flex, their themes are designed to look great and, more importantly, help you sell more. Whether you want to upgrade your existing theme or launch a brand new online store, Out of the Sandbox has a theme for you. Visit outofthesandbox.com and use promo code KURTS20 for 20% off their best-selling themes, Flex and Turbo. Go to outofthesandbox.com unofficial, promo code KURT20 for 20% off Flex and Turbo. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors, so please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at ethercycle.com. Thanks for listening. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.